it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, we learned this week, there's so much leaking, of course. I, uh, Richard Nixon would be calling eight plumbers right now uh, because everything in Washington is leaking. In real time, don't even have to. The guys who write the, the books after, you know, an administration is done, I don't know what they're going to do because we know it all now already. For example, uh, we learned this week in some leaked reporting or reporting um, based on leaks. The reporting wasn't leaked. See what I mean? That um, when <laughs> President Trump was meeting with uh, German Prime Minister uh, Angela Merkel, uh, just a few days ago, he uh, one of the things he did was present her with a bill for what, uh, in his mind, Germany owed as its uh, back payments for what they owe to uh, participate in NATO. Now there there is there's a factual backstory to all this. The uh, members of NATO agree that they will spend. 2% of their GDP on defense. And um, most NATO members have been in violation of that provision since uh, since Hector was a pup. But uh, the, the drama, the faux drama, the comical drama, perhaps, of uh, <laughs> President Trump presenting uh, Angela Merkel with a check for untold billions of dollars, no, no doubt, uh, outraged some. Um, a few days later, not leaked in public for all to see, was uh, another uh, kind of information. The uh, you know that the the British government has announced now that it's going to trigger Article Fifty. This is the provision of the uh, treaty that uh, formed the European Union that uh, says Britain is seriously now going to spend the next two years negotiating its exit from the European Union. And Jean-Claude Juncker, or Juncker, or Junior, um, of the EU, announced on uh, Friday that that wasn't going to happen without Britain ponying up some 50 to 60 billion, I think he said euros, he should have, back dues or whatever, supposedly Britain owes to the EU. Now, these seem like two intractable problems. But, you know, Germany is the main player in the EU. I don't want to be the one to break it to you. Ask the Greeks. So, uh, presumably, Angela Merkel is not pleased with the bill presented to her by (laughs) President Trump. But our closest allies are the Brits. And if the Brits pay the EU 50 to 60 billion euro... Uh, Germany, if they eventually settled with President Trump, would uh, just turn over some of that money, if not all of it, to the U.S. So why don't the Brits just cut out the middlemen and and cut us a check right away? You're welcome from the solutions people at Hello, Welcome to the Show.
from the big city. <laughs> we were just discussing that, Jenny Lawson and I. The big city, New Orleans, Louisiana. Some people actually say that. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen. News of bad banks. Well, you know about Wells Fargo and their problems. If you don't, they had been uh, socked with a huge fine. Well, not huge. $185 million. Really, chump change. After details emerged that bank employees had opened up to 2.0 million bogus checking and credit accounts over several years without asking the permission of the customers would ask him whether they wanted the accounts. You know, like you might do if you were in business. Um, and the uh, chief executive uh, walked away with a, you know, a nice little, nice little bulge in his pocket. Anyway, Wells Fargo opened 43% fewer new checking accounts last month than in February of 2016. This is the latest indication, according to the San Jose Mercury News, that the the fake accounts scandal still hangs over the company. A bank spokesman declined to disclose how many of the checking accounts opened in the new year uh, in the year ago comparative period had been fake. We don't parse the unauthorized accounts on a monthly basis, <laughs> said a spokesman for Wells Fargo, or on a yearly basis, or on a forever basis, because an analyst, however, suggested the sharp year-over-year drop, February, is partly because the bank is no longer setting up fake accounts. They looked so good on the books. The big quote, the big decline indicates the prior numbers were inflated by 40 to 50 percent, and they're also losing customers that they might have normally gotten, but who are now turned off by Wells Fargo, said a Miami-based independent banking analyst. He adds, it's a double whammy for Wells Fargo. That sounds like a good offer. And a toaster. The bank also disclosed that applications for new credit cards plunged 55 percent in February compared to the same month last year. Total customer interactions with the bank fell 11% in February compared to the same month last year. That would include, I guess, asking for where to use the men's room. It's a bad bank. Apparently the word has gotten out, ladies and gentlemen. Never, never too late. Never too late to learn about bad banks. Now, did anybody ever tell you about the boars and the bees? I will. A wild boar roamed last week in a residential area within the evacuation zone in uh, Fuk, Japan. The boars descend on towns and villages, plundering crops and rampaging through homes. They occasionally attack humans. Most dangerous of all, they carry with them highly radioactive material. Hundreds of toxic wild boars have been running across northern Japan, where the meltdown forced thousands of residents to desert their homes, pets, and livestock. Some animals, like cattle, were left to rot in their pens. Nice. Officials are struggling to clear out the contaminated boars, according to the New York Times. Wild boar meat is a delicacy in northern Japan, but they don't like it that hot. Animals slaughtered since the disaster are too contaminated to eat. According to tests conducted by the Japanese government, some of the boars have shown levels of radioactive element cesium-137 300 times higher than safety standards. That's your spicy boar meat. Officials also have expressed concern that returning residents may, 
not, not to laugh, may be attacked by the animals, some of which have settled comfortably in abandoned homes and have apparently lost their shyness to humans. Uh-oh. Since the nuke crisis, video footage taken by journalists has shown packs of badly unkempt dogs scampering across roads. Rat colonies have overrun abandoned supermarkets. Who would have thought that? This is uh, much like what happened in Chernobyl, which became a refuge for all kinds of animals, including moose, deer, brown bear, lynx, and even wolves. Well, return to nature, but hot hot nature, hot nature action. Farmland in in Fouke, transformed into grassland, has become a perfect habitat for wild boars and foxes. The local authorities have hired teams of hunters to cull the boars. By cull, they mean kill. (laughs) Just change the uh, K to a hard C and change the uh, vowel, and you're you're there. You're in business. You're in business. It's unclear whether these efforts will pay off or whether they're enough to persuade former residents to return home. Those are the boars. Now for the bees. As you know, without honeybees, almond farmers would have... Maybe you don't know that. Why should I assume that you know what uh, almond farmers need? Or as they call them in Northern California, almonds. Did you know that? That I knew. Because I lived in Northern California for a little while. Yeah, the almond almond trees. Anyway, almond almond farmers (laughs) would have no crop. But scientists have discovered that fungicides commonly used in almond orchards, are putting their main pollinators in extreme danger. In a new study published in the Journal of Economic Entomology, I read it for the ads. Researchers from the Department of Agriculture in Texas A&M, go Aggies, analyzed the threat, the fungicide Iprodeone. Iprodeone, but to tell you the truth, I be lonely, poses to honeybees. Whether used alone or in combination with other common fungicides, iprodeone leads to a significant reduction in the survival rate over 10 days of forager honeybees when they're exposed at standard field usage levels. That is to say, not lab, not crazy lab levels, but what is actually used out in the field, out there. You know, out there? They talk about it all the time. That's what they're talking about, out there. Quote, given that these fungicides may be applied when honeybees are present in almond orchards, our findings suggest that bees may face significant danger from chemical applications, even when responsibly applied, said the co-author of the study. So don't be responsible. It doesn't do any good. In two of the three trials, bees exposed to the recommended concentration of iprodeone died at two to three times the rate of the unexposed bees. The effect was even more pronounced, pronounced effect, when the honeybees were exposed to a combination of fungicides. Well, it's a combination of ingredients that really do the job. They always used to say that in commercials. When the exact reasons why, while the exact reasons why fungicides negatively affect honeybeans are large, honeybeans, sir, I think you mean honeybees, are largely unknown. The team notes previous research has shown that some of these chemicals have a heightened potential to persist in residual amounts in beeswax in hives. California, in case you don't know, I'm not going to assume you know this, the California almond industry produces 80% of the almonds consumed around the world. Growers rely almost exclusively on managed honeybees for pollination. See, everybody's got a manager these days. The boars and the bees, ladies and gentlemen. And now, news from outside the bubble.
Iraqi military leaders have halted their push to recapture West Mosul from the Islamic State as international outrage grows, according to The Guardian, over the civilian toll from airstrikes that killed. Estimates range between 150 in The Guardian and 200 or more from Al Jazeera in a single district of Mosul. The attack on the Jadida neighborhood of Mosul is thought to have been one of the deadliest bombing raids for civilians since the U.S. invaded Iraq in 2003. Well, it's about time. Rescuers were still pulling bodies from the rubble on Saturday, more than a week after the bombs landed. Civil defense workers say they've pulled more than 140 bodies from the ruins of three buildings in Mosul, Jadida, and believe dozens more remain under the rubble of one building, a large home with a once cavernous basement in which up to 100 people had hidden last Friday morning. Local people told the observer that the enormous damage inflicted on the homes and much of the surrounding area had been caused by airstrikes, which battered the neighborhood in the middle of a pitched battle with ISIS members. The UN humanitarian coordinator in Iraq said, quote, we are stunned by this terrible loss of life. As the scale of the disaster became apparent, Iraqi military sources confirmed they have been ordered not to launch new operations. Said the director of a monitoring group, Air Wars, the coalition's argument that it doesn't target non-combatants risks being devalued when so many civilians are being killed in West Mosul. He warned the deaths and recent other attacks in uh, Syria risked turning public sentiment against the coalition. Job well done. But those those nasty Russians in Syria killing civilians. Oh, it's whataboutism. Get out of here. Children as young as eight working in the tanneries of Bangladesh producing leather that is in demand across Europe and the USA are exposed to co- toxic chemical cocktails that are likely to shorten their lives, according to a new World Health Organization report. Cocktails for children? Oh, I see. I'm missing the point. Approximately 90% of those who live and work in the overcrowded urban slums of Harajaba and Kamranagachar, thank you, where hazardous chemicals are discharged into the air streets and river, die before they reach 50, according to the WHO. The plight spurred the volunteer doctors of Médecins Sans Frontières, Doctors Without Borders, to set up clinics in the area to diagnose and treat those who are the victims of their workplace. Says a paper published in BMG Case Reports, it's the first time that the doctor's group has intervened in an area for reasons other than natural disaster or war. So it's serious. The intervention was triggered by the widespread industrial negligence and apathy of owners of tanneries and other hazardous material factories towards the more than 600,000 largely migrant population who have no access to government-funded health care. Thanks, Paul Ryan. Oh, sorry. MSF set up and ran four main clinics for 5,000 workers two years ago. In, uh, in communities involved in four different manufacturing processes, tanning, plastics recycling, garment making, and metals. The hazard to the 250 so or so tanneries in Hazariba, which are 30, 35 years old and discharge 6,000 cubic meters of toxic effluent and 10 tons of solid waste every day, are the best known. Five years ago, Human Rights Watch produced a report called Toxic Tanneries, which revealed the flouting of Bangladesh's own laws, and you know how strict they are, as well as international law and the employment of children under 18 in work that is harmful or hazardous. The factories douse animal skins in cauldrons of chemicals as part of the processing of Bengali black leather, exported to European leather goods manufacturers in Italy, Spain, and elsewhere. 
I bet I bet we recognize the names of those manufacturers too. I bet we we uh covet those goods. That's what I bet. Apart from heavy metals like chromium, cadmium, lead, and mercury, a conglomerate of chemicals are discharged by the tanneries into the environment, says the paper. Workers aged eight and older are soaked to the skin, breathing the fumes for most of the day, and eat and live in the surroundings throughout the year. Personal protective equipment is not provided. Child workers clad in no more than loincloths and wellington boots, here's your wellies, are exposed to chemicals including formaldehyde, hydrogen sulfide and sulfuric acid, writes an associate professor at the medical college in Chennai and his colleagues. The other factories, plastics, recycling, garments, and metals, are in an urban slum which is not officially part of the city. In these, there are complex risk hazards from cotton dust, heavy metals, and chemicals like mercury, phthalates, acids, dioxins, and ergonomic hazards. Ow, I can't bend like this anymore is what that means. News. Oh, but you know, we like the black leather, don't we? The the Bengali leather, don't we? Really? News from outside the bubble, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And in the copyrighted feature file, next up pops News of the Warm. We're listening. Arctic sea ice appears to have reached, earlier this month, a record low wintertime maximum, according to scientists at NASA and the National Snow and Ice Data Center in Boulder. On the opposite side of the planet, on March 3rd, sea ice around Antarctica hit its lowest extent ever recorded by satellites at the end of the summer down there. A surprising turn of events, because for a dozen decades, the sea ice down in Antarctica was expanding. Nutty, huh? On February 13th, the combined Arctic and Antarctic sea ice numbers were at their lowest point since satellites began to continuously measure sea ice way back in 1979. Total polar... Well, you don't need to know that, do you? They lost uh, the polar areas, a chunk of sea ice larger than Mexico. Well, that gives you the solution then. Build a wall keep the sea ice from if it's like Mexico. The ice floating on top of the Arctic and surrounding seas shrinks in a seasonal cycle from mid-March until mid-September. This winter, a combination of warmer than average temperatures, winds unfavorable to ice expansion, I blame the winds, and a series of storms halted sea ice growth in the Arctic. The Arctic sea ice maximum extent has dropped by an average 2.8% per decade since 1979. This year's record low might not necessarily lead to a record low summertime, minimum, but it's guaranteed to be below normal, says a researcher. In in Antarctica, this year's record low annual sea ice minimum, below the previous lowest, which occurred in 1997, happened just two years after several monthly record uh, high sea ice extents in Antarctica and decades of moderate sea ice growth. It's too early to tell if this year marks a shift in the behavior of Antarctic sea ice, according to a researcher. And Earth is a planet in upheaval, say scientists. The World Meteorological Organization publishes analysis of recent heat highs and ice lows. 
The record-breaking heat that made 2016 the hottest year ever recorded has continued into 2017, pushing the world into, quote, truly uncharted territory. I blame the charts. That's according to the World Meteorological Organization. Their assessment of the climate published this week reports unprecedented heat across the globe, exceptionally low ice at both poles, as we just mentioned, and surging sea level rise. Global warming is largely being driven by emissions from human activities, but a strong El Nino added to the heat in 2016. Can we punish El Nino? Is there something we can do? And researchers have revealed that declining plant diversity from habitat loss, human use, and other environmental pressures causes plants to flower earlier. The effects of diversity loss on the timing of flowering are similar in magnitude to the effects of global warming. So it's a, a double whammy. It's like a Wells Fargo for plants. The finding could have a powerful influence on the way scientists study ecosystem changes and measure the effects of global warming. Oh, it's news of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And if we meet 
someday From New Orleans, this is Le Show, and now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympic movement, produced by Jim Ebersole Jr. Well, the team from Paris bidding on the Olympics in 2024 has issued an ultimatum to the International Olympic Committee. It's 2024 or nothing. With only Paris and Los Angeles left as bidders for the 2024 Games after rivals dropped out, IOC President Thomas Bach has raised the prospect of one city being awarded 2024 and the other taking 2028 to avoid there being a loser. Nobody loses. It's like soccer. I mean, no. But with less than six months until the vote, the International Olympic Committee is still hesitating on whether to go through with that sudden change. And Bach's vision to lock up the Summer Games hosts for the next 11 years could be derailed by the insistence of both L.A. and Paris that each of them only wants 2024. We can't accept 28, said Paris bid co-chairman Tony Estangue. It's not possible. He's a three-time Olympic champion canoeist. We're okay if the IOC wants to give two games at the same session in Lima, he said. But on our side, our project is only possible for 24. We also believe this is the time to come back to Paris or to Europe in 24. This is the fourth bid. We learned a lot. It's now or never. He's, he's a, a, adopting Trumpian negotiating tactics. Either, either the IOC family wants to choose Paris for 24, or we will not come back for 28. We're not against the process. We welcome the process and understand the process, but our project is not only possible for 24, unquote. I blame the process. L.A., which is looking to host the Olympics for a third time, adopted slightly more cautious language, with the IOC yet to confirm the 2028 Games will also be awarded this year. The L.A. people are just focusing on their 2024 campaign. Los Angeles is the right city at this critical time for the Olympic movement. Not critical, not critical enough, yeah. And is only bidding for 2024, the L.A. bid team said in a statement. L.A. 2024 is, and only L.A. 2024 offers the lowest risk and truly sustainable solution for the future of the Olympic movement in 2024 and beyond. Nobody wants 2028. Somebody wants to be a loser. And you know, to me, that's the spirit of the Olympics. You can't have winners... If you don't have losers. The Olympics, it's a movement, and we all need one every day. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're not number one. What's the happiest place on earth? No, come on. You know, it's not 
not Disney World, and it's not Disneyland, and it's not Disneyland Paris, and it's not Disneyland. Norway is the happiest place on earth, according to a United, Ag- United Nations agency report. Well, the United Nations, come on, what are they worth? They couldn't pre- ta- uh, toppling Denmark did Norway from the number one position. I see a, boy, I see a battle between Norway and Denmark. I don't want to get in between those two. The World Happiness Report measures subjective well-being, how happy the people are and why. Top five, Denmark, Iceland, Switzerland, and Finland behind Norway. You notice something? Notice something about those countries? The magic of the marketplace. The Central African Republic came last. Western Europe and North America dominated the top of the table. The U.S. at 14th, the United Kingdom at 19th. Countries in sub-Saharan Africa and those hit by conflict have predictably low scores. Syria, 152 out of 155, not, not meaning to laugh. Yemen and South Sudan, facing impending famine, came in at 146 and 147. The release of the report was coinciding with the United Nations International Day of Happiness on March 20th. What a good idea that was. And the hell, okay, that's happiness. What about the healthiest country on earth? Well, that's got to be the USA. Come on, we're not number one. Italy is ranked the healthiest country on earth in the Bloomberg Global Health Index of 163 countries. A baby born in Italy can expect to live to be an octogenarian. In Sierra Leone, the average newborn will die by 52. Italy is among the most developed countries. Growth has stagnated for decades. Almost 40% of its youngsters are out of jobs. It's saddled with one of the world's highest debt loads relative to the size of its economy. Yet Italians are in much better shape than Americans, Canadians, and Brits who all suffer from higher blood pressure and cholesterol and poorer mental health. Italy also has an excess of doctors, says a physician and CEO of the Global Relief Organization Project Hope. Then there's the diet, rich in vegetables and with, drizzled with extra virgin olive oil. The director of the Center for Public Health Nutrition at the University of Washington has written about the importance of consumers having access to fresh produce, food, fruit, lean meats, and fish. Each country in the index was graded based on variables such as life expectancy, causes of death, and health risks ranging from high blood pressure and tobacco use to malnutrition and the availability of clean water. After Italy came Iceland, Switzerland, Singapore, and Australia, the top five most healthy. The U.S. placed number 34 with a grade of 73 out of 100. Its ranking for the prevalence of overweight people is 67.3, one of the world's heaviest nations. All right, well, let's throw our weight around then. Come on. The poorest states in the United States, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and West Virginia, are heaviest with more than 35% of their populations considered obese. By the way, uh, though the United States was 34, Britain is 23. But they're getting fatter. Don't, don't, get, don't get too cocky over there. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the week in, um, in this country, the United States, and uh, most particularly in Washington. You know, because nothing else happens in the rest of the country. So it started with the FBI director and the NSA director. And those people 
always tell the truth in public. Remember that. Uh, testifying before the House Intelligence Committee, uh, the FBI director, there's no evidence that he has seen that uh, would validate President Obama's, <laughs> President, <laughs> President Trump's tweet that uh, President Obama wiretapped, it, uh, wiretapped phones in Trump Tower. And uh, you remember that uh, shortly after he made that tweet, put out that tweet, President Trump um, attributed reporting to Fox News judicial analyst, chief judicial analyst, Andrew Napolitano, that uh, said there were uh, certain pieces of evidence that indicated that perhaps his tweet was supported by something resembling facts. Uh, Fox News this week announced Andrew Napolitano is not on the air for a little while. He had quoted Fox News as the source of his reporting. Uh, Fox News anchor Shepard Smith uh, batted that down on the air. And as I say, then this week Fox News announced, well, Judge Napolitano is uh, fishing or swimming or soaking in the tub or something. The uh, aforementioned House Intelligence Committee chairman, Devin Nunez, then um, got into controversy when he went to the White House with intelligence he said he'd gotten, indicating that there was uh, incidental surveillance, surveillance, that is, of, of foreign persons, which incidentally picked up, may have picked up, conversations with members of the Trump campaign or Trump transition team. He went to the White House with that intelligence, but apparently didn't share it with the fellow members of the committee. There'll be a, an apology on that subject coming up. And um, that has led for now some uh, calls for him to step down. Speaking of stepping down, there are now calls uh, all over Washington and out elsewhere. I think uh, another judicial analyst on Fox News uh, called for Paul Ryan to step down after the stunning pullback of the repeal and replace Obamacare bill after only 17 or 18 legislative days since it was introduced on Friday. Uh, Ryan announced they just didn't have the votes. The, the president, in uh, several statements, reaffirmed his confidence in the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and said that they're, they're done with uh, health care now. They're moving on. And... Um, yeah, it, uh, it, it goes on like that, and then it gets shorter. This week, for the first time, winning looks a whole lot like losing. And the businessman turned president finds that his team may not be up to its only real task, letting him close a deal. Devin. Uh, Devin Nunes, right? <laughs> Nunes, Mr. President. Yeah, right, right. With the thing on top of the thing, I remember. Rough hearing. I think both the FBI director and the NSA director were a little more forthcoming than we expected them to be. So you didn't do your homework? Well, the staff did due diligence, of course. Right. But that's your staff. They definitely work for the majority of the committee, so... Fine. You're the chairman. That's all I know. Literally. I mean, I know a lot of other stuff. President. 
Nobody knows I'm here except for the Sacred Service. What are you saying, Devin? I mean, there's a 22-year-old intern in Spicer's office who's hotter than a Coney Island August, but... And whoever in my office made the appointment. Okay, good. Look, here's your task. Mm -hmm. On this Russian stuff? Yes, sir. My minority members smell blood. Maybe it's coming out of Nancy Pelosi's whatever. Just kidding. Okay, listen. Your task is to deliver some intel to this office. Intel? No. I'm cleared for that. Good. Might make your job easier. You're going to deliver intel about how some members of my transition team may have been caught in incidental surveillance of someone or someone's else or else's. Okay, I think I can do that. I will have to find a source or sources for that intelligence. That's what I was trying to tell you. See the intern in Spicer's office. Pick up what she's got. Come back tomorrow. Give it to Reince. <laughs> but couldn't she just... You know, Congressman Nunez, this particular task doesn't call for questions to be asked about it. So? You think you can do it? No. If I can get another appointment to come back here tomorrow. Here's the deal. It's already made. Mr. President, about uh, Judge Napolitano. Yeah, he's good. He's getting his own show, right? He's good. Um, he's on a bit of a hiatus at the moment. <laughs> he's been on. He's been all over the tube. I mean, I saw him three times last week on your. That's why he's on hiatus this week. Some of the people in the uh, quote news operation had a problem with him. That's like uh, putting Mike quoting him on hiatus too, isn't it? Well, to the extent that they uh, you quoting someone who quoted our news operation as saying something that uh, our news operation is ticked off at him for quoting. I guess it is. Uh, look, you don't have to do this task. I mean, you, you. Yes, and as an old news hound, I happen to be fascinated by powerful people. You know, they can do so much good for other people. Okay, here's the deal. Can the Palatano come back on your channel? Maybe uh, with his own show? Maybe with a thing like uh, Mike Huckabee used to do? You mean with the bass playing? He doesn't have to do the bass playing. Mm. Well, do you think you can manage your so-called news operation well enough to uh, make that happen? Well, to be entirely honest with you, I've never really tried to intimidate them before. Okay. But... On the other hand, to be utterly frank, of course. Paul, we, we tried our best. We just couldn't get the votes. I'm going to have to pull the bill off the floor. But let me get this straight. Getting the votes was your task, right? It was all of our jobs. You did great. All the members enjoyed the bowling. Bowling schmoling. You think that's where I wanted to be? Watching big guys knock down little pins like when I was hanging out with my dad and his friends at some bishop out of Queens? As a matter of fact, that's not what I thought. Good, because neither did I. Hmm. But the factoid remains, you let down your team, our team. I should fire you, but... But there's a little thing called the Constitution. It's a big thing, the biggest. So you're saying there won't be a vote? When the bell's off the floor, there's no vote. Okay, good to know for next time. Mm -hmm. So, look, your team's in jeopardy. Yeah, I tried out for jeopardy once. Missed all the pop culture questions. You ever heard of 
Kanye West? Kanye. Mm. Very good friend. The best. Now look. Very important task. Has to happen right away. Okay, well, I'll be back at my office and... This is before that. Mm. When you leave this room, your job is to tell reporters that you told me we have to pull the bill that was your idea. Okay. Because you understand, winners don't pull bills. Got it, got it. I mean, in fact, that is exactly what just happened, so... So, I know better than anybody how tough it is to say something that actually checks out. Can you do it? Yes, sir. You told me you could get the bill passed. I should believe you this time. I think you should. Nobody else involved in this. No caucus this and group that? <laughs> no, sir. Okay. I'll be watching. Hmm? Not surveillance, just CNN. New team, new tasks, same goal. We're going to make this failure great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. Thea Presidentis, this week, reality was never like this.
And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for me to read the trades for you. Marketers halting YouTube buys puts pressure on media shops from that age. I'll read it to you. The move by major marketers like AT&T. Oh, they're major. Just try to get them to come to your house. Verizon, Johnson & Johnson, and GlaxoSmithKline to halt spending on YouTube due to ads running next to unsafe content is pushing media agencies to pressure Google to create a safer environment for advertisers. The biggest concern is over Google's self-policing process, and at least several agencies are reviewing how they're working with Google moving forward. Quote, brand safety is a critical factor across all channels that we manage for our clients. Our immediate priority has been to work with Google to address our concerns and hold the organization accountable for any questionable activity, said a spokeswoman for Horizon Media. We've communicated to Google that their self-policing processes are not adequate, and we expect Google to announce new safety precautions until they are evaluated. We have recommended to our clients that we reevaluate their campaign activity. Several other agencies issued similar statements. Said one, we hold all publishers, including Google and YouTube, accountable to ensure that the highest standards of advertising are consistently met. Clearly, Google has fallen short of these standards, said the statement. Just pausing to read to invite you to contemplate, roll around in your mind a little bit, the phrase, the highest standards of advertising. The world's largest ad buyer, Group M, has been working with GlaxoSmithKline on media for several years. That's just a pharmaceutical company. The group declined to comment on its client's decision to pull ad spending from Google. Said uh, one ad spokesman, we vigorously pursue every brand safety precaution and technology available. But a 100% foolproof system may not be possible. It's important that brands know this and proceed with caution and with every every protection possible. AT&T has halted its advertising with Google for anything but keyword search. Like search for, can you come to fix the phone within a week? Search for that. Media Brands is pushing Google for a third-party company to help monitor and prevent ads from being served in questionable content, but has yet to come to a resolution on the matter. This all uh, erupted because an English agency noticed that some of its clients' ads were appearing uh, alongside YouTube videos, which were either had some uh, described as extremist content. That's how this all happened. To me, it couldn't happen to a nicer algorithm, but that's just me when I read the trades for you, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, the Apologies of the Week on a related subject. This 
Google has issued a public apology to major advertisers after their spots were featured alongside content from hate preachers and other extremists. I would like to apologize to our partners and advertisers who might have been affected by their ads appearing on controversial content, said Google executive Matt Britton. We take our responsibilities to these industry issues very seriously. And YouTube has apologized after its family-friendly restricted mode recently blocked video by gay, bisexual, and transgender creators, sparking complaints from users. On a uh, next in our uh, list of apologies comes this. Oh, it would come. That's right, Samsung Electronics apologized for its involvement in scandals that have led to the ouster of South Korea's president and for the recall of its Note 7 smartphones, pledging to improve governance in the face of pressure from investors. Vice Chairman Kwon Oh-hyun delivered the apology at the smartphone maker's annual shareholder meeting in Seoul. The heir apparent at the smartphone giant, J.Y. Lee, you know, J.Y., was absent as he remains in detention facing charges including bribery and embezzlement. Couldn't be at the meeting. Gray's Harbor County, Washington Commissioner Randy Ross has apologized for asking a volunteer bookseller to, quote, Jew down the price at an antique show. The newspaper reports Ross made the comment during the uh, an antique show when his wife was buying a book from the Friends of the Ocean Shores Library. He also reportedly told the volunteer the comment was not discriminatory because he thought Jews were smart. In a written response, Ross admitted to making the comment and said he had apologized to the volunteer for the remark. Quote, I have the utmost respect for the Jewish faith and all people who worship a higher power. So he hates the atheists. Alex Jones, a conspiracy-loving media personality, apologized this week for his role in promoting Pizzagate, the baseless viral story that a Washington pizza restaurant was the locale of a child sucks abuse ring run by Hillary Clinton and her campaign chairman, John Podesta. In a surprising bit of backtracking, Jones posted a six-minute video on the InfoWars website in which he read a prepared statement formally distancing himself and his site from what became a textbook story of fake news. He addressed his apology to the owner of the pizza restaurant, but there was a post locale of the alleged conspiracy. I made comments about Mr. Alephantis, James Alephantis, then in hindsight I regret and for which I apologize to him. We relied on third-party accounts of alleged activities and conduct at the restaurant. We also relied on accounts of two reporters who are no longer with us, unquote. Mr. Jones, the timing of Jones's apology suggests he was concerned about a potential lawsuit under Texas law. The Austin-based Jones had to retract or apologize for the stories by Friday, one month after receiving the letter from the pizza parlor's owner to avoid exposing himself and his company, Infowars, to punitive damages in a libel suit. Timing, it's everything. Uh, The aforementioned Devin Nunez, the Republican chairman of the House Committee investigating Russian interference in the election, apologized in a private meeting for not sharing intelligence with the panel's top Democrat before giving it to President Trump and the news media. U.N. Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas apologized Thursday afternoon after making a joke about mammograms while Congress raised, was uh, weighing the Obamacare repeal and reform. A reporter from the website Talking Points asked Roberts about a demand hardline conservatives were making to roll back the essential health benefits rule. I sure don't want any mammogram. I sure don't want my mammogram benefits taken away, Roberts joked. 
I deeply regret my comments on such an important topic. He said, I know several individuals whose lives have been saved by mammograms, and I recognize how essential they are to women's health. I never intended to indicate otherwise, and I apologize for my comments. And speaking of court-ordered apologies, Pacific Gas and Electric has kicked off a court-mandated ad campaign publicly apologizing for its role in the deadly San Bruno gas pipeline explosion in 2012. There's no apology like a court-ordered apology. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of Le Show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe on the Yusen 440 cable system in Japan. Save me some of those radioactive bores, won't you? Just souvenirs on the Mighty 104 in Berlin, around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archive whenever you want at harryshare.com and kcsn.org. Around the world via the uh, American Forces Network, too. Uh, on Soho Radio in London. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com. Available as a free podcast at Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn.com, and WWNO.org. And it'd be just like hot wild boar ragu with your tagliatelle or your pappardelle. Even better if you're going to join me to do that. Would you? Alrighty. Thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and exile and Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's thing. The email address for this thing. The playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to buy t- Cars I Talk t shirts. What an Easter gift they'll make. That's all at harryshare.com. And I'm on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWN on New Orleans' flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. So long from the big city.